What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Episode 55, November the 16th, 2012, the one before Martin's big arrival. You are listening to This is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atletico de Madrid. In today's episode... Atleti's effective performance against Getafe was enough to take all three points against Los Azulones, keeping our perfect home record for the season intact. After going on a tear of 17 goals in 11 appearances with club and country, Falcao has now gone scoreless in three starts with Atleti and Colombia. Should we be worried about our Tiger? On the other hand, Adrian found the back of the net in La Liga for the first time this season. Has the historian finally arrived to our current campaign? Atleti had 11 internationals stationed all over the globe for friendlies at the midweek. We take a look at our Rohi Blanco ambassadors' efforts with their respective national teams. Curves ahead. After facing Granada, two weeks of high-profile challenges will set the bar as to how far we can get this promising season. Sevilla and Real Madrid are coming up. Rock and roll. And the red and white fact of the week. At this point last season, Atleti only had 13 points, less than half of our current 28-point total. Our present haul is the same amount eventual league winners Real Madrid had after 11 matches last season. Hello everyone and welcome back to This is Atleti, your space of 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Menendez once again hosting the show and tonight we're missing Gary again who won't be able to show up uh, for the show. But we do have Martin Rose now right about to um, make his way all the way over to Madrid. How are you Martin? I'm really excited Ricky. Looking forward to seeing you at the airport. Getting your luggage, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to getting a drive to the hotel. Yep. <laughs> and Derek, Derek, you'll be coming over as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it'll be another week. I'm not uh, coming as early as Martin, but um, I'll be joining up with you guys next week for uh, yeah. to have a great time. I'm sure. Great. We'll have the time to uh, get together and have a beer at least. Um, and we're we're also going to be having. Billy on tonight's episode. Billy, nice to have you on again. Yeah, great to be back on with you. Great to speak to you all again. Yeah, great. Well, let's let's get, let's get started um, from the top. Uh, your your thoughts on on the Hitafe match? I um, at the press conference, um, Luis Garcia uh, pl- blamed the Atleti's win on two aspects: um, how um, how Badly, they played the first half, and in in second place, um, um, Atletico de Madrid's uh, physical superior, superiority uh, during the first half. And he said that when they were about to get a goal, or they were getting closer to get a goal, um, they they got a, an injury and they had no substitutions left, and that. Um, influence the fact that they were playing better than Atletico during the second half. What were your views on the match? Do you agree with what Luis Garcia had to say about the match post-match analysis? 
Uh, as far as the aggression, uh, I think even Simeone agreed with Luis Garcia, and he said that that was the path to winning the game, our aggressiveness. Uh, I did feel in the second half, um, it kind of did feel like we survived one of those suspenseful last 10 minutes because I know, I know if Etape would have scored, you know, we were winning 2 nothing. We had a great first half, but in the second half, if they would have scored, it would. I think we wouldn't have been able to recover that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was pleased overall with the win, though. I mean... Derek, there, there was uh, some type of uh, deflating during the second half. Uh, do you think it's worrying? Um, well, I, I don't think that we played a very, very strong game, but I wasn't that worried about the result because I think that the result was always beyond doubt and um, we were leading 2-0 from the half. And even if we didn't play very strongly after the break, um, and, well, yeah, Getafe did get forward a bit more and uh, we did seem to give away the, the control of the game. Um, but they created very few chances. I can only remember one or two. Um, I think it was Pedro Leon who crossed and Lafita who completely missed, uh, missed the header. But besides that, um, I think that we were leading quite comfortably and um, I, I wasn't that worried, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Billy, what was your view on, on, on the win? Did you, were, were you worried for the result in the, at any point of the match? Um, yeah, as you've said, uh, there were a few scary moments in the second half, but I, I was pretty pleased overall. You know, we never, we never got out of first gear. I mean, we got the job done in the first half and yeah, in the second we were just able to sit back and invite a little bit of pressure from them and hold what we had really. I mean, it's quite pleasing to see. I mean, we all we all wanted to to see us go forward and attack, and for Falcao to get the 50th goal. But in the end, you know, two 0 win never never looked beyond doubt, as Derek said. Yeah, can't really complain. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it I think it was sorry. just what we needed after two disappointing losses. We got a solid win, and it might not have been very fancy or spectacular, but it got the job done. Um, knowing that all the uh, international players were joining up with their teams and. I think it was important just to get a three points and to get back on track, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin, when we were preparing the last episode, we we did have an issue that we wanted to talk about, but at the end of the time, at the end of the day, we we ran out of time and we didn't uh, address it. Um, there there were certain issues and um, among uh, some some Spanish supporters about how unfair it was for Colombians to get a special prize for the match, and. Uh, um, I personally disagree because I think all these things are are great publicity and they're great ways of of having the um, the club um, have have a, a deeper impact on in other countries and in fact that that's one of the things that the international press were were claiming after the match um, asking Simon about uh, maybe you've read something in, in Colombian press uh, how is the whole issue dealt with or or, or were, were people basically unaware that um, there were some sour feelings about uh, uh, the Colombian embassy getting special prices. I'm pretty sure they they didn't really, you know, find out about it. There, I think it was censored towards, you know, Colombia. I didn't read anything like that. Well, I, I, uh, I think it was. It, there were marginal complaints and not really something. Uh, if, if there were, I totally, absolutely. I totally missed them. Uh huh. Um, I I would just uh, I would just. Uh, Ignore them as as something that people are always going to find reasons to complain. I don't know if you if you agree with me there. A- any type of of promotion that the club uh, thinks of 
in, in ways of, of getting um, new people aboard and, and, and making new fans, I think it's positive. Even if you have to give away heavy discounts to um, groups or, or countries, I think it's a real honor to have 3,000 Colombians uh, pack El Calderón. Well, just imagine, a- imagine what the honor is like for Falcao to have you know his countrymen there and for the club to do something like that for him. You know what I mean? Like, was a, it was a, there was a great atmosphere that day. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if, if you were able to um, see what, what type of atmosphere there was um, through television. I saw the flags like everywhere, but for the most part, reading on Twitter, people that were actually there, they were, te- you know, they were saying that the Colombians were cheering loudly. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they were totally into the game. And the concern from a lot of Spaniards were, was that they were just going to be tourists there just sitting, comiendo pipas, basically. Well, well, well isn't that great? Um, one of the things uh, that are, 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 are um, giving more income to Real Madrid, for example, is, is turning their museum into one of the uh, places to go. Um, for for anyone who visits the city, so um, for Atletico to to try to compete with uh, to attract uh, tourists towards Vicente Calderón, I think it's a great idea. I'm, I'm always thrilled to see uh, it, it might be Japanese tourists that don't even didn't even know about Atletico the week before, just um, hooting in, in the stadium and, and wearing Atletico scarves. This might be a little controversial, but I mean, do you think any racism was involved? In, in the, the attitude. I, I have to say that I'm, 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 I'm a Spaniard and, and I do think that, um, in Spain, in Europe in general, there's, there's quite a, um, a growing, um, racial, uh, conflict that, that I think it's been, it's been Latin and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger and, and there, there, there must be some type of, of of racism involved behind all those complaints because I just I just think it was it was so outrageous to uh, for people to be complaining to get three three thousand guests uh, which is great for um, club economy it's great for uh, promoting the club abroad and I just can't think of any any logical objective reasons besides um, just silly racism and well if if that's if that's the 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 point we should just be ignoring this this fact all along. Well, yeah, and then I, I know Billy. Oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead, Derek. I'm not sure if you can actually ignore it, Ricky, because you could actually hear on TV people uh, chanting "Viva España," which simply is distasteful because you're hosting um, Colombians in this case, and then you can go on to to chant um, things like true. that. True, true. And I, w- I was doing the tweeting for for Estesaletian for this Estesaletian. I was. I was um I posted from my personal Twitter account to to not involve um the um, the group ones um my 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 opinions there and and got some some uh hate hate tweets uh uh during the match but I think that these people just have to be taught education if if that's the issue if if there's um racism involved and um I I think the way to go is a way Barcelona did with their with their um, supporter groups, or Sevilla is doing now with their supporter groups. If you're not willing to help the club, there's then there's no space for you at the at, at the at the ground. And and if uh, Frente Atlético is basically a racist group, they should be banned from Vicente Calderón. I'm sure not everyone at the Frente Atlético is is racist, but um, th- those those attitudes are just not tolerable. I I, I mean ignore them from the point of view that. Um, I don't know if, if if they're worth us spending five minutes talking about them. 
I'm from ignoring them from that point of view. Yeah, I think uh, that, that, that's sort of the correct um, stance because you don't want to not um, you, you not don't want to ignore yeah. the subject, but you do want to ignore those guys. And I think that that's what we should be doing. And um, it is worth though thinking of how you can actually ban things like this because um, it, it is very tough to ban from an entire stadium, but you can um, completely ignore the situation because mm-hmm. that's actually going to scare away people. And uh, a couple of months ago, someone contacted me on the website and he asked me, well, uh, I like Atletico, I like the players, I like um, the football that they play. But I'm wondering, because I read somewhere on the internet that they are are, um, are very right-wing or that they are... Um, uh, so basically, he was asking me, can I support a club when their supporters um, are basically everything that uh, I, I am against? And I told him, well, that's just one thing that perhaps you have to live with. They are great fans. They have a, make a great atmosphere at the stadium. Um, but at the end of the day, they are... Um, there is a radical group of them. And, abuse, and yeah. They're very right-wing, yes. True. I can and, say it's disenchanting as a Colombian, American, and <laughs> German, too. Uh, going, going to Spain now, like after that atmosphere and hearing that Viva España, you know, and things like that, I'm like, it's a little disenchanting, you know, to go to the stadium now. It's not the same, you know what I mean? I'm still obviously extremely excited, but there's always that kind of stain on, you know, the idea of being there. Yeah, um, but well, I, I think it's better to, to, um, know the facts and know the, um, there are reasons why um, most normal fans, I think that 90% of the fans that go to Vicente Calderon are normal. Um, they can be labeled normal. They end up leaving the the, the Fondo Sur, the area where the Frente Atletico um, stand uh, because they don't sit, they stand during the whole, the, the whole matches um, because uh, the political implications and the amount of racism and abuse they 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 direct towards uh, players or towards, um, in the past, towards black players, for example. It's just intolerable for normal people. So you go there for the excitement of, of being in Frente Atletico for, for a few matches when you're really young for a couple of seasons, but after a while you just want to be with normal people and you just move elsewhere to, the, to another part of the stadium. That's the way it goes. Right. For practically everyone, um, everyone that's been attending Vicente Calderón for a long time, ever since they were young, will tell you the same story. I was in front, I was in um, sitting in the Fondo Sur for like three seasons when I was 19. So, so it's just goes to show that everyone wants to be there uh, for a few seasons, but at the end of the day, you just uh, realize that it's not worthwhile and and move on. And that's what we should be doing now, moving on. And I'm going to segue <laughs> and ask um, ask each of you about um, the certain aspects of the match. For example, Billy, uh, Adrian, he, as Derek said, he found the back of the net um, for the first time this season. Were you worried about Adrian? Because I haven't seen Adrian scoring for, um, in La Liga, but I, I, I've seen some decent performances. He's also scored in, in a Copa match, and I wasn't that worried about... Um, Adrian, but it's true he's having a hard time uh, coming back to his previous state from ever since maybe the Olympics or or even before. Yeah, um, I was definitely worried. I mean, even last season in 
in some of the league games, especially after Europa League games, you just look a little bit tired and you know went missing for large periods of the match. But um, last few games, he's he's improving and he's looking like um, a key player again, like he was last year. Um, I think one of the main issues with Adrian is confidence. He's always been that type of player, um, and as I said, he can go missing. But with a few goals under his belt and you know a few good performances, I think we'll start seeing the player that you know, really impressed us last year. Um, mm-hmm. I did have worries a few times earlier in the season. He could have been like a one-season wonder. You know, we've seen them before, but, you know, he's a quality player, and I think uh, we'll start to see the real Adrian again soon. Derek, we, we, we always get this from from um, Gary, the his theory about second seasons, and I think he's really right on this one. And um, how Adrian, I think he even he even forecasted that um, Adrian would, would struggle to... To get this the same type of effectiveness, the same type of performances in on his second season uh, at a top flight uh, side, and it's proving to be true. Plus, Adrian competed from maybe the beginning of August to the end of May or to mid-May, or even further if we uh, take into consideration the Olympics. Um, that's a that's a really long period to to, um, and and maybe he's he's paying the consequences of. Of having played such a uh, long season, but you, you can look inside a player's head, uh, unfortunately, because um, and we also don't know exactly how how he feels, how fit he is. But um, you would think that after a season like last, uh, the last one, where he played incredible football, especially in European games, and where he was even so close to joining the the Spanish squad for uh, the European Championship, you would think that. He was on a high with his confidence, and um, I actually expected him to exceed his performances of last season and to come into this game and uh, sorry to come into this season and to play even better than he had before. But it hasn't worked out for him so far, and I'm not exactly sure what's happened. Is it the form or the fitness? But let's also take into consideration that um, Simeone has actually used him in a different role because mm-hmm. last season I think that. Adrian usually played closer to Falcao, more of a central role where he was a, a second forward. While this season, when he has played, Adrian was often stuck on the right or left wing. And I do think that that has hurt not just his scoring prowess, but also the way that he is involved in our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that a different role could also be a factor for Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned in your um, in your intro, Ricky, I do believe that he is starting to improve and I'm not sure if Martin, for example, agrees, but I'm I'm seeing a better Adrian these last couple of weeks. Yeah, he he, you know, he hadn't cemented a spot in the starting lineup really all season long. He spent. Well, he most did of have season. a very good European Super Cup. Remember that match? He was he was excellent. Um, uh, opening spaces for for Falcao. Yeah. Not taking the not, not taking the limelight maybe, but um, playing that secondary role that um, Derek mentioned. Right. And yeah, but I, I totally agree with Derek that you know him being on the right has made him less involved. Uh, you would think, okay, he's not scoring when he's playing, he's not scoring, but at least you would think he'd contribute in other areas. But he he doesn't even have an assist this season. Um, you know what I mean? So, but I I do think with this recent continuity, he started the last three games. I think we're gonna start. Well, I think and I hope really. And we're going to start seeing, you know, a better version of them. Mm-hmm. And um, let me address you the next question. Um, 
Falcao, you said from scoreful to scoreless, if I can say that. Um, are you worried about uh, Falcao not scoring so many uh, matches in a row? It's not that many, but you know how how strikers are and and how how linked their morale is to the the amount of matches they 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 go without scoring. I'm more concerned, not for Falcao. I mean, the longest drought he had last season was, I think, three games. I'm more afraid of the fans' reaction. I've seen fans, Atleti fans, get extremely impatient with forwards. I remember last year, Falcao, just after three games that he didn't score, everybody said he was a bust. You know, he's done. But in reality, if you if you take a look, he, he has 10 goals in 10 league appearances, so he's averaging a goal per appearance. And then the other thing is, uh, recently what we've seen, and Cuatro, the television channel, did a, did a little piece about it, mm-hmm. was the abuse that Falcao's been suffering in games lately and the tactics employed by defenders where you see them. I, believe, I don't remember which Valencia defender in particular it was, but like they, they saw him and they, they caught him telling a teammate, you know, if he goes up in the air for a header, grab him, grab him. And that's pretty much what we've been seeing. And now the club, you can tell, is, is looking to protect him more. Simeone, uh, in his post-game comments, has talked about it. And the players are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting if there's any significant changes in how referees start monitoring, like, we, the challenges we, against him. We could expect some anti-Falcao plan to, to, um, shape any, any time. And, um, were you surprised about that? Haven't we been through this before, Ricky? Because uh, if I'm uh, correct, and I believe that we've had this discussion in the past where um, Sergio Aguero's being uh, abused by defenders, um, and at that time, of course, you had Leon. Yeah, Messi. but we we were in such a strong side. Mm, we're we're, we're considered up, winners we're, now, and, and that's, that's we've got we've got a lot more clout right now with, yeah. with the league. Yes, yes, and um, right now. Um, I can't remember a season when we've we've been so big um, in all in all senses. I mean, especially media-wise. And um, this this season, it's it's just like Aleti um, still gets the performances through, even though we're we're getting all, all all sort of obstacles in the way. And and the latest one is is um, defenses being really tough on on Falcao. And um, what, what, one thing that you were mentioning, Martin, was um, uh, Simeone uh, sending a few um, sending a few messages to the press about uh, referees uh, having to protect um, Falcao more than they're doing uh, currently. Isn't that a bit contradictory with uh, Simeone's uh, message uh, that, that he used to? He used to always say that he would not talk about referees. Isn't that being like a bit of a hypocrite? Yeah, I think it is. Just <laughs> point blank, it is. And I think he even introduced that comment. He's like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't usually do stuff like this. But it's gotten to the point where... Even though like, I said I wouldn't do this, I'm doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how do you feel about that? Were you more comfortable with the previous situation? Or do you think, hey, it's time to stand up for... I like the fact that he's standing up. Uh, he didn't really call out like a specific, you know, referee, like saying, you know, he, he made a mistake on a specific call. You know, he's just saying in general, 
he said, you know, it's obvious that if Messi and Ronaldo are touched, it's a foul. And if they do the same thing with Falcao, nothing's called. Mm-hmm. So he just said, I hope the referees are more attentive in the future. I don't think it's too, you know, controversial. They get, they get luckier in the future, I think, is, what, is, is exactly what he said. Yeah. Um, well, um, moving on to another player that we didn't mention in the headlines, but I think he was especially important for the Getafe win. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad to see he's, he's still... Uh, performing as well as, as he's been performing during October, November. Arda Turan, I think Arda Turan um, played an excellent match, and um, it's it's really great to see that now that we don't have a specific playmaker like like Diego, we still have um, someone who's doing different things, and and uh, um, even if it's with with the help of a handball, um, scoring <laughs> important goals. Um, let me address this one to Billy. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree, without doubt, Arda is the player with the most um, technical quality in the team, and I think he, <clears throat> he's stepping up this season. You know, with Diego gone, we need someone who can create, who can supply service to the attacking players, and I think Arda's moving into this role well. He's taking on responsibility. I mean, at Galatasaray, he was this type of player, you know, that everything uh, kind of went through him, and it's good to see him, you know, taking on... I wouldn't say a new role, but uh, a more involved role, because we all know what a good player he is and mm-hmm. uh, how much he gives to the club, you know, in terms of work rate. So, yeah, it's really good to see, and hopefully he'll, he'll push on and just get better and better. Mm-hmm. And um, well, um, the the next the next uh, step ahead is is Granada. Um, it doesn't seem like a complicated match. What are your thoughts about Granada? I'm slightly, I'm slightly worried about the FIFA virus though, because we have a, a couple of players that had to travel all around the world again. Well, um, I'm worried about Silvio. We're, we're gonna really miss him. <laughs> yeah, well, it's let, let's sort not of strange. It's sort of strange to have Silvio play um, as a starter after, well, especially after his performance uh, versus uh, versus Academica. But did you? Did you get this, Ricky? Um, Pizzi actually also debuted um, for uh, Portugal and scored. Yeah, I mean, but... He's um, increasing his market value a, by the way. Who's a coach of the national team? Is it, is it Jorge Mendes? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that, that 30 million is looking better every week with uh, Pizzi, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to admit it, man, but yeah, it really is. <laughs> and... Um, well, uh, yeah, we, we we normally get a few players knocked. Do you have any news about um, which players have had problems? I I know that uh, Coque played for the under twenty one um, the Spanish national team and um, yeah. he only played the first half. Um, him and Enigo Martinez came off at half time, I think. Although it didn't seem to be a knock, so I think he'll be ready to go. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> any news about any players being knocked? Uh, I think Silvio was the only one, right, that had a right knee injury. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, Falcao was training on his own this morning, but I don't think he's hurt or anything. I'm just uh, recovering. Recovering. Hey, speaking about Falcao and the Granada game, Ricky, we moved past that real quick, but uh, I think they should just let him score a goal because <laughs> if you remember, <laughs> I think he's going to be welcome like a king when he gets there. Because last year he saved their he saved their you know they said he saved them from relegation. Yeah, and, and, and you goal. can just expect the type of uh, <laughs> of reception he'll get at me. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if they start singing his name man, <laughs> at the stadium. But I read a report. Stadium of Granada. No, I read a report. I forgot where I saw it, but 
I read a report that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that the the Granada players after the game last year on the last game there were against Raya. on the bus. Yeah, they were the name, and then I think one of them's friends with Philippe, and they they through Philippe were able to contact Falcao, and they, he actually got to hear the Granada players singing on the bus. <laughs> he thought that was yeah. pretty cool. And there was a video with Raya as well. I remember with Joel and Polito singing his name because yeah, uh, he kept he kept both of them up. Right. I also saw <laughs> I saw a video about a little kid like he was recording himself watching that game and then he like starts crying when when Falcao scores and he's like Falcao de mi vida ah, like going crazy Granada fan that's <laughs> pretty cool. Okay, so um, and at the same time um, we were talking about last season and if you have a look at the um, at, at the current standings what 13 points actually means would be way way down in the in the chart um very long very long distance from from where we we currently are it's um it, it's it's like 13 points is what Hetafe has right now and that's okay and they're just three points shy of the relegation spots it's crazy yeah it's 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 incredible um do you? Uh, we have Real Madrid ahead in 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 two weeks, and we have Sevilla next week. Um, I know that, uh, that the new Atletico philosophy is only looking at a game ahead and not even knowing who we're playing in three weeks. But I'm sure that everyone's already thinking a bit about Real Madrid and and a lot about Sevilla. And do you think that that can be a turning point if we are able to? Um, Reap the points against Sevilla and against Real Madrid, let alone uh, bring a good result from Granada. Um, uh, Simena was talking about mm, passing the the uh, March-April barrier, but I think that normally where Atletico really gets stuck is in December-January. Right. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts about um, what lies ahead? Well, you mentioned a turning point, Ricky, but I don't think we actually need a turning point. We we need to keep uh, to keep continuing like we are now, and um, well, we normally be... have plummeting points at this point yeah. of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's going from it's normally going from bad to worse, and now that we're very very good and we're excellent, um, well, it could only get very good. But um, I don't know. Uh, being ahead of Real Madrid, even though it's worthless <laughs> from a from a comp- competition point of view, uh, for fans it's so important. I don't know if you think that. Do you think that the team, um, the team realizes that, um, or or takes into consideration the the, the current standings, or they're they're just. Um, do, do you think they really believe that philosophy? That no, it's, I don't. It's just, it's, I think they're actually fans. looking at it. I think they're looking at it. I think they're counting the days. They know that those are some big games. What it means to the fans. Uh, I was also thinking if we if we beat Granada and then win at Sevilla and lose to Real Madrid, then uh, you know it's not it's not going to be devastating. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It, we'll still uh, I think we'd still be ahead of them, right? Yeah. Yes. If, if we, we win those yeah. two games, Granada we and lose Sevilla, them, we'll be ahead of them for sure. And if we win one of those games, we come into the Bernabeu ahead of them. And so uh, I can see that being you know played up big. I can I can game. see a very 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 defensive Atlético Madrid playing at uh, Bernabéu. 
I and, agree. And, and Real Madrid yeah. is really struggling with defensive sides this this season. Just look at the Levante match. Well, even more so Barca. They barely got away with it, and and I think that um, Simon is probably the perfect coach to face Barcelona this season. I think yeah, again against both those teams, I think. Like we saw in the Europa League a lot last season, we'll we'll play it tight, keep it tight, and then you know t- have our moments on the break. I mean, these two teams are the best attack-wise in the world by a long distance. But I think the defense, you know, if we can keep it to a minimum, you never know. We we could be able to get away with a draw from one of those games, and I'm sure with Simeone we'll have a game plan and the players will be focused. So I'm not, you you know, usually when we go there, I'm just expecting the worst, you know, <laughs> like a. A free no at, at least, but I'm reasonably optimistic this year. That, well, did, uh, we'll, did you guys read the? Um, did you guys read the, um, um, what Felipe Luis said about Kike Sanchez Flores? I was really surprised. No, uh, what I missed. Did you guys miss that? Um, it was in on, on today's press. It was I think it was Marca. Was it Marca? Yeah, I think it was Marca that ran it, and and um, Felipe said that he was incredible. He was very grateful to. Simeone, which is a no-brainer. That's that's obvious. But um, he said that he 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 got so confused while playing for Kike Sanchez Flores that he wouldn't even know what to do during training sessions. <laughs> it's yeah. like wow, <laughs> everyone's like taking revenge from Kike Sanchez Flores <laughs> long after he's left the club. And he said that um, uh, having Kike as the coach was devastating for him during the first uh, th- two to three months because he wouldn't he wouldn't even be on the list and uh, um, he was he was really glad that Simeone was on the team now. So wow, I was I was really surprised to to um, hear him so resented at um, Kike Sanchez Flores being on the team. Derek, did you did you read that? No, I missed it as well. But it's well, it's not surprising. All these stories always get out. Uh, uh, well, after a coach leaves, and there are so few um, coaches around that. I thought uh, elegant players. You were going to say elegant are, players. <laughs> no, but I can only think of um, guys like Guardiola and Mourinho who have left the club um, without anyone complaining. Because even a, a manager like Ferguson and Man United, um, he's made enemies among players that have ultimately left, and it's it's so hard to avoid. Even Simeone. Um, well, I believe that Simon is very popular among this group of players. But, um, for example, take a look at Silvio. Do you think that Silvio would be positive about uh, talking about Simeone in a while? I doubt it. So there are always going to be stories like even, even Perea or Antonio Lopez. I'm sure they'll they'll get back to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Martin, maybe maybe you want to make a, a little roundup of of the international results. Yeah, I'll just go through them one by one. Uh, we had 11 internationals this week. Juan Fran started in Spain's 5-1 win in Panama. Uh, he avoided major gaffes this time with La Roja. And, you know, he played an all-around solid game against, you know, inferior opposition. We can all Martin, agree. Did, did, did any one of you happen to see that game? Because I was wondering, lately it seems that Juan Fran is, a, is playing a bit more defensive. He hasn't been going uh, forward as much or... Am I, do, uh, do, are you guys seeing that as well, or? Um, I think if for Spain, there, there, that's that's what he's being asked to do. Um, he's being asked to to be Arbelo on steroids, which is which is not much, <laughs> truth be said. But um, he's uh, Spain is is much more defensive from the point of view of the 
But, he, but Derek, are you referring to Atleti more than? Well, both, Spain? both Spain and okay. Well, at Atleti, we've seen Philippe attack more right this year than Juan yeah. Fernandez. Seems. I think they take turns, and and Philippe is in such a great shape that maybe um, Simon is stressing the fact that to let Felipe Felipe do most of the attacking and. Um, many of the assists we're uh, we're getting this this um, season are coming from the left side. I think right. that, yeah, I think that the, probably the the two biggest uh, sources of assists I would have to look this up are probably uh, Gabi and Felipe. I don't know if you you guys oh, have the assists. Well. Yeah, are that yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, I surprised Felipe didn't get too many assists last year, but I think he's working his crossing and, and looks more solid well, than that department. You tweeted something during the, the last match, which was really interesting, and, and something that Felipe pondered about, um, how unfair it was that he wasn't being called for the for the national team. And, yeah, completely. And I mean, and, and in, what he said is that he, he, he felt really sour about that because he was seeing Brazil... Um, uh, try, trying different players in, in, in his position and, and he wasn't even getting a chance and the last, the, the only time he was called for the, for the so national team. So we've got two, we've yeah. got two disgruntled Brazilians now and uh, don't get called up. Yeah, Miranda is. Even though Miranda, Miranda, you know, he, he, well, I think recently said he doesn't care anymore. Basically. With this confidence, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if Diego Costa is expecting a call as well, but he'll need to. <laughs> <laughs> But I, right. I, I don't think um, Mano Menezes is, is actually watching any Atleti matches because um, the, the players he's playing there aren't, aren't that hot um, anyway. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that they're not even getting the chance and Brazil is playing so many friendlies because they don't have to play any qualifiers at all. Yeah, they're the ones missing out, I think, really. I mean, I'm, I'm not too worried if Felipe's not traveling around half the way around the world every international break. But <laughs> That's a good point. It, it'd be nice to see him So you're on Gary's side there, the less the better. Selfish well, yeah, from, from a club standpoint, right? Yeah, but I mean, it would be nice to see him get recognized because he definitely deserves it. I think we'd all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And um, right. he, yeah, what Felipe said is that uh, he really couldn't understand how he had only played for Brazil right before his injury and after having such a serious injury and and being able to return and and, and um, go back to his previous performances, how he was being completely ignored and he was sort of offended by by the fact that the the coach has, hadn't even addressed him and or even hadn't give, given him a call and to tell him what he expected from him or whatever. So well, but um, it was a it was a really interesting interview. Uh, Felipe what wanted I, to criticize what do, everyone. Yeah, what I do think is interesting from that is for a, a long time at Atletico, I wasn't sure if Felipe was very confident in his own abilities, and after the injury, he seemed to be lacking um, um, self confidence. But I, I mean, think that comments like these comments like these show that he also realizes that he's playing at a very high level and that he should be rewarded for it. And I think. Um, well, he's completely correct, and um, it is about time that they, they take a look at him. Says a lot about his confidence. That he had he had confidence issues, uh, yeah. and and he was basically blaming Kike Sanchez Flores for for <laughs> because and the high price that Atletico Madrid were had had paid for him, and and the, the expectations that, that uh, arose from from him being such an expensive signing, and and that said he said that 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 really stressed him and. And had him worried about uh, being able to perform as well as he was expected to perform after such a serious injury. 
and that that, that kept him worrying most of the first season. So sorry, yeah, we interrupted you. Totally, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It seems like he's just totally over that injury. So now <laughs> moving on to the other results, uh, Godin and Cebolla started for Uruguay, and uh, they won three one in Poland. Godin played all ninety minutes, and Cebolla. Uh, came off like with 25 minutes left. Uh, Silvio, as we talked about earlier, he played against Gabon and in a 2-2 tie, and but he came off injured, right knee injury, I believe. But I haven't seen. Has the club released any information on that? Nope. They they said it was the same knee um, from his previous injury. That's what I um, read, tweeted somewhere. But so I guess he won't be playing anymore. Another six months. <laughs> Well, um, right. playing or, or, or starting. Yeah, that's what I mean, just playing. <laughs> <For> coming... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was being sarcastic, but. Alright, and then there's, uh, Arda, who played 78 minutes and miraculously returned to Madrid or, you know, <laughs> unharmed. No injuries <laughs> so far. <laughs> Knocking on wood over here. Uh, and then Emery, Emery went with him too, but he didn't play at all. Uh, Belgium lost to Romania 2-1. So he went to was... the, um, Emery went to the match, um, Atleti style. Spending right. it on the, <laughs> uh, on the bench. That's yep. surprising. Yeah. Isn't he, isn't he their captain though? He is, he is. And then, uh, uh, let me see. Oh, okay. So yeah, Belgium lost to Romania 2-1. And that's probably because Courtois didn't start. Uh, we can't confirm that's the actual reason why they lost, uh, <laughs> the game. The game took place in Bucharest, where we won the Europa League final against Athletic. Uh, so he got another, just a nice tour. That's why he was just, kind of, <laughs> was just awed by the stadium. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kader, uh, I don't know if Billy, our Cantera expert, followed uh, Kader's um, performance. Yeah, I had a look, but I didn't see him in the list. There was another guy called Duslati, but I'm not sure if it was yeah, him. Yeah, Tim, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. Oh, yeah I think he yeah, was yeah. starting then. But, uh, yeah, no he sure. started and came off in the 51st minute. Uh, they oh. lost to Switzerland, yeah, though. And then Falcao played the entire match. It was a really good game in New Jersey against uh, yeah. Brazil, Colombia versus Brazil. Uh, but he, you know, as we all know, we did. he didn't score in that game either. That was, a, that, that was okay. the, the crazy... Um, the crazy penalty kick that. Yeah. <laughs> the worst penalty kick ever, man. It was like it was twice as bad as Sergio Ramos is from. Yeah, from this one did hit the the Europe the, the space station, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think I missed about five goals that one. <laughs> it's incredible. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's more spectacular than Ibrahimovic's goal. <laughs> okay. Back right. to the. If Martin was going to mention Koke for uh, Spain okay. 21 as well. Uh, yeah, he, he played half the match and made a really good assist actually for Rodrigo. Is a uh, really nice through ball and Spain won 3-1 in the end. And Joel was also on the bench but it didn't come on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, d- during during the the last weekend, um, we we did we did have uh, quite quite um, a few. Um, Mm, Cantera matches, didn't we, Billy? Yeah. Can um, you go? Can you go through the um, the most important results? We we did get a disappointing defeat at at Gijón. Is probably the the one that everyone was was waiting to listen to. But maybe you can explain that better than I can. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I let you be after their win last week. Uh, continued their inconsistent form. They went to um, Sporting B. They were winning. It was a really good goal uh, from Thomas in the first half. 
mm-hmm. um, who looks like a really good player. But uh, yeah, they were they had some really bad luck in the second half. Uh, Sporting were given a penalty, which I can't work out what it was for. But yeah, they scored that, and then some bad defending let them score the winner a bit later on. But apparently, um, it wasn't a bad performance. And uh, this weekend they play uh, the team everyone's been talking about, Oviedo. In, um, yeah, or, or any of you shareholders. I know Gary is. I'm not Gary sure bought a share of, uh, of Oviedo. You didn't buy one, Ricky? What do you mean, man? Oviedo. Oviedo, <laughs> o- Oviedo relegated us. <laughs> do you guys have memory? No, you don't. You don't. No, sure. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I do own a share, though. I would burn it. No, I, <laughs> um, Oviedo is, is is my own um, Villarreal. They're they're all my ghosts. <laughs> they, they can stay in Segunda B. No, no, no. This, that, 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 I was just joking, Sid. No, I really like Sid. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, no, um, no sour feelings helped for Oviedo. I, I, I'm, uh, I think it's really great what the fans are doing over there and um, how they're taking control of the club and. I really applaud them for 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 taking hold in, of the club and 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 reach, um, returning the power or at least part of the power to to the to the supporters and well even though I I I feel for them I I want them to lose this weekend against LATV. Could you ever see um, Atletico supporters buying the shares from uh, Gio and Cerezo? In what I what I can't see is Terezo and and Gilmarín selling them. Because the the issue here is, um, I've been a se- season ticket holder for um, maybe 22 seasons, and um, I've been hearing promises that um, there's going to be an official um, uh, share sale, uh, and it's always the next season or two seasons from now, but that next season never comes, and um, it's it's just been. It's 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 in the same timeline as the the new stadium or the new training facilities. It's it's always something in yeah. the, um, in an imaginary future. <laughs> I if, think it's I'm, an alternate I'm, universe. <laughs> if I'm correct, then Miguel Angel Gil owns about fifty five percent of the shares all by himself, without his other family members, and perhaps that's the reason that he doesn't want to um, sell any new uh, shares because that will get him under the 50%, but I'm not, uh, not sure at all if well, that is. He would have to sell, he would have to sell an incredible amount of, of shares. Now, I think they just can't be bothered. They don't, they don't care about um, fans. They, they no. gave out a share, like, that was, I think it was 2003. I've got my share. I'm a shareholder of Atletico Madrid. I've got one share of Atletico Madrid that they gave out. And um, the um, the option was um, you get a share or you get a discount um, for the next season ticket, and most of the people just went for the for the discount. <laughs> um, I got my share, and but the, I I don't think that's that's what it's all about. There there should be more representation from the club, and at least uh, five to ten percent of the club should be in the supporters' hands. But that that's not what the is, case. It's like three percent where. Yeah. Normal fans hold, and 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 those are fans that bought some shares before 1986. All right. Wasn't the 2003 um, expansion the reason that, uh, or the one um, that was ruled illegal um, for Gil and Cerezo themselves? I'm just thinking on the top of my head here. I really don't know. I really don't know. Well, so so maybe my share is worthless. 
Thank you very much. No, no, I believe that the, <laughs> the way that they expanded their own shares was illegal, something like that. But we'll we'll have to look it up and get back to that another time. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really don't know, and and I just think it's bogus to just give out shares like if they were uh, food stamps or something like that. Um, there should be there should be serious accounting uh, behind all this, and there should be clear information about how many shares um, the the owners hold. In fact, because that's to, to start with, that's that's the secret. It's not public information. You can look up anywhere, and that's why everything's so so dark. You, you just know um, approximate percentages because they only give the information to the shareholders at the board meetings, and since no one's a shareholder, no one gets the information. So it's just a, a revolving circle that never ends. And well, um, moving back to Oviedo. Mm, good for them, but I hope they lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we ha- and we seem to have lost Billy, so um, let's just go with the rest of the uh, Cantera results. Uh, let's see. Also lost two to zero. Uh, the juvenile side. Um, well, they they they're they're being really successful this season. And um, the under eighteen side uh, beat CD Oliver seven to zero. And um, as for the Feminas, they they remain unbeaten, and they they drew against Coyerense. Uh, maybe Derek, you can talk to us about what lies ahead for Atlético Madrid. Yeah, our upcoming games, of course, we start off uh, with the uh, the game against Granada that we discussed before, which is on Sunday at a quarter to eight. Um, and then we have another round of midweek action coming up. Um, we play against Apple Tel Aviv, and that would be at the Vicente Calderon on Thursday. Those can be three qualifying points, in fact. Yeah, and those should see us through to the next round, I think. And um, we discussed it last week. I'm expecting a lot of um, reserves to go into this game because the Sunday after, and that would be uh, next week, we play against Sevilla, of course. Okay, let me place my bet. I'm betting for Falcao on the list. Martin? No. I don't think I'm gonna be there. I want him to be there. That's my first time going to the Vicente Calderon ever, so it would have been nice, but I, I don't see it happening. Me either. And end of, Sunday? Yeah, and of course, uh, next Sunday we play against Sevilla when Martin and I will both be attending. And um, that game is also played at a quarter to eight, I believe. Uh-huh, exactly. And, well, uh, a quick roundup of the handball section, which we didn't mention before. Um Balonmano Atlético Madrid uh, recovered from um, a mid-time defeat uh, where, when things were looking really, really bad uh, for Atlético Madrid, who uh, was struggling in the Champions League, and they beat HCM Constanta 25-28, and Atlético the week the weekend before um, beat. Global Caja, 32 to 25. That, that leaves Atletico still in the second place of Asobal, just like in the football La Liga, uh, right behind Barcelona by two points. Um, Atletico Madrid has to, uh, Balonmano has to face Huesca this weekend and they'll be playing Frame BM, BM Gran, Granollers. That's another La Liga match. Well, the, the handball league is called Asobal, uh, on Wednesday. And well, that's, that's uh, the handball agenda. Um, before we we wrap up the episode, um, a quick round of 
prediction results? What did you put in your on your uh, what prediction scores did you put for for Granada? You guys remember? Uh, I, I don't play anymore, Ricky, because <laughs> I was always winning. Um, but uh, I, I, I predicted. Um, I'm going for a very tricky um, one-nil away win for Atletico. Okay. Uh, I got a two-one win. A two, oh, one-two win. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with a one-three win, and I'll write that up in in the prediction league. And and if I'm successful, I'll keep playing. <laughs> if I if I'm not successful, I'll keep playing too. Please uh, have your predictions uh, posted by Saturday, right? Very well. No, uh, you can uh, predict until five minutes before kickoff. Five minutes before kickoff, but do, but do that uh, way before so you don't give these guys a bad life. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on the show, Derek. Thank you very much, and hope to see you in person next week. Uh, absolutely, and it was a pleasure as always, and uh, see you guys soon. Yeah, and um, uh, Martin, great to be seeing you as soon as Wednesday, and we'll we'll be giving. The show notes, the 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 facts about your hotel and everything, so you can sign autographs and to your to your fans. <laughs> Are you gonna be signing posters like players do? <laughs> yes, I'm gonna be signing. Uh, <laughs> well, it'd be great to have you here, and and uh, um, I hope I can get some sleep, man. I'm I'm really really tired. We don't know when we're recording the the next episode because um, we do have uh, agenda mismatches for for the next possibly ten days and. We might be back after the the derby, so we're just warning our our listeners to that we'll keep them informed about when we'll be back. And of course, thank Billy that we had connection problems with him in the last minutes and and haven't been able to say goodbye to him. But it's always great to have him on the show, and uh, we hope to have him in in the future um, really soon. And um, thank you very much to, to both of you for for being on the show, and talk to you guys soon. So this wraps up another episode of Red and White Passion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at This Is Atleti, Facebook at Facebook.com slash This Is Atleti, or by email on info at thisisatleti.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iBox or iTunes. Thank you for Atleti. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com.